a box of fruity pebbles, a loaf of Italian bread, a family-sized ice cream cake, a tub of cookie dough. No, not, not ice cream cookie dough. Actual raw Pillsbury cookie dough. These are the things that I ate in high school on a daily basis. And this is part four in the mini-series known as The Secrets of Strength. In part four, we're going to discuss nutrition. And why am I telling you that I ate like such garbage in high school? Why should a guy like me be able to tell you the right way to eat? Well, it's because that I need to impress upon you how hard it is for me to eat the right way. In the other episodes of Secrets of Strength, I, I did say that the hardest thing for me was sleep, and mostly because I felt like that was out of my control due to the pressures of life, due to the ability to not calm my mind down. But with eating, I do a really good job of controlling it, but man, it is hard. People say that I have incredible willpower, but I don't. I love food. All, even just talking about those things, I want to eat them right now. So I want you to understand from me and for you that this is not an easy journey. It may be one of the hardest parts of this pyramid for everybody, mostly because eating is a social activity. Uh, very seldom do you say, let's go hang out with my friends and we're going to go play basketball or go lift weights. Mostly it's around eating or drinking things that are not good for you. Every family event is eating and drinking. Every celebration, eating and drinking. Every uh, time you're sad, it's eating and drinking. Everything we do revolves around food. So for this is not going to be easy, but hopefully by the end of this podcast, you're going to have a lot of simple tricks and some tips to make this easier, but understand that it's not going to be easy. It's hard work. It's also hard work feeling embarrassed to take your shirt off at a beach. It's also hard work to not fit into your clothes anymore. It's hard work to go to a doctor all the time because you've just destroyed your health. It, you know, th that's also hard work. So put in the hard work in the, the kitchen or when you're out to dinner so that the rest of your life is easy. As Jocko Willink says, discipline is freedom. Have the discipline in your kitchen to have the freedom to live the way you want to live. So... Thing number one, most importantly, you cannot out-train your mouth. There is no level of training that you could perform that's going to allow you to be ripped or jacked without completely destroying your body if you're not eating right. What you need to think about that is your training is really for performance improvement. It's to make you stronger. It's to make you faster. It's to make you better at your sport. And really, it's a catabolic activity. It's breaking down your body. Your diet and your lifestyle, that is where you're going to manage your body composition. That is also where you're going to provide the fuel for your performance that you're going to do again back in the gym or on the field. And really, the recovery process is where you have that anabolic part of your life. That's where your muscles are going to grow. And nutrition is part of that recovery process. Now, if you think about the secrets of strength pyramid, the base was breathing. We talked about that. That was episode 37. The next level up was sleep. We talked about that. That was episode number 39. We've already talked about the holy grail of strength. We talked about that earlier on. I think that was episode number 35. And the next one up is recovery. That's after today's nutrition. So if we are working better on our nutrition, we already have a massive advantage for what we're going to do for recovery, which is where we actually grow. So when we're talking about nutrition, I'm sure most people care about their body weight. Unfortunately, that's only a very small part of the equation. So body weight tells you how much, I'd say, weight you lost, keep it simple, but it really doesn't talk about how much muscle you lost, 
how much bone density you lost, is it water weight or not. These are things that are critically important. So I'd highly recommend that if you are on some sort of a diet plan, you know, you know, you don't just measure yourself by the scale. Even if you have to get some cheap body fat meter, hopefully it is, uh, I'd say, consistent. It doesn't need to be accurate, but it could be consistent, and it can let you know if you're directionally going up or down. I know when I went to Dr. Tom from the Nutrition Treatment Center, the way they did it, they had this in-body, I think it's called a DEXA scan, I'm not really 100% sure, but this thing measured everything. It measured your weight, it measured your skeletal muscle mass, it measured your body fat, it measured the, 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 the muscles in your right arm, your left arm, your trunk, your right leg, your left leg. This really helped you know how you were progressing completely as a person throughout this entire process. So in this episode, we're going to talk about not only what to eat, but how to eat and when to eat it. So let's start off with the how to eat. Well, first and foremost, digestion actually starts in your mouth. It doesn't start in your stomach. So think, let's take the process right from the beginning. You're sitting at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You hear the waiter coming over. He's got that sizzling ribeye, the butter, and all that other awesome stuff is just crackling. Your mouth starts to salivate. That, sal that salivating, that's actually the beginning of the digestive process. Those enzymes are going to help you break down food, and they're going to moisten your mouth to help you swallow that food more easily. And then what you need to do once that food gets in your mouth is chew. Actually chew your food. This is really step one. You need to chew your food so much that by the time you get that next piece of ribeye steak into your mouth, that, other, that first piece that you took is gone. You can't keep just eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating because you're not going to have a chance to digest that food properly. And also, think about this, it'll actually give you a chance to taste the food that you're eating and possibly enjoy it. You might be able to actually see what this thing, or sorry, taste this piece of ribeye steak and really appreciate it for a second. The other part of chewing your food that is awesome is that it will help you eat until you're satisfied. Sometimes you eat so fast you don't even know if you're hungry or not. You just keep eating and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating, right? So make sure that you are eating at a point or so that where you're, you take that bite, everything that's in your mouth is gone, and then you can have your next bite. Some good tips that I've heard uh, that, that will help you eat a little more, e uh, eat slowly, I should say, or eat more easily, or eat slowly more easily. Sorry about that. Uh, one tip is to eat left-handed. If you're right-handed, pick up your fork with your left, left hand. Another one is to try and pace yourself if you're eating with other people to make sure that you're the last one done with your meal at that table. Or if you're alone, do not eat, uh, do not make eating part of something else that you are doing. Do not try and have seven different things going on or eat while you're on the move. Sit down, appreciate that time, and eat and enjoy it. The other thing that should help you with your eating in terms of the how to eat is to sit straight. Have good posture. If your uh, head is really jutting forward because you have like that smartphone neck where everybody's tilted over, it's actually going to distort your esophagus, right? The food's not going to get down as smoothly. Or if you're hunched over eating, now your stomach is compressed. So really try and have some, some good positioning of your torso. So think about this again. We want to chew slowly when we eat our food. We want to have a good, good position when we eat our food and really try and enjoy what it is that you're eating. Now we're going to get to the part of, well, what should I eat, right? What's the best way to have nutrition? So the first thing I'm going to say I think it's one of the most critically important things in terms of nutrition is hydration. Water is a massive part of 
our nutrition process. And the rule of thumb is that you should drink about 0.6 ounces per pound of your body weight. So for example, if you weigh 200 pounds, you should drink about 120 ounces of water. And this does not include water that's in your protein shakes or your tea or your coffee or whatever it else is that you're drinking. It should be straight water. It also does not include uh, the food that you're having, like the water that, that would come in food, like maybe it's fruit or something else. You want to have 120 ounces of water, and then you also have to make up for additional water that you may have sweat out during intense training. And on the, that subject of protein shakes, a good trick to help you continually chew your food, say with a protein shake. Trick number one, I like to put oats in my protein shake, so I'm forced to chew my food. Thing number two is you can put a little less water in your protein shake so it's thicker, and you actually have to almost eat the protein shake versus drink it. So let's get back to the, the water consumption. You may say, how could I possibly do this? How could I drink that much water? Well, let's just say that you weigh 200 pounds. Uh, to me, a simple plan is this. When you get up, one of the first things you should do, get up, do what you got to do in the bathroom, weigh yourself, and then drink water after you weigh yourself. Drink your water. I like to drink between 48 and 64 ounces of water because one of the first things that you need in the morning, yeah, I think you need three things. It's like uh, sunlight, movement, hydration. Well, get that hydration in right at that point. So let's just say you got 64 ounces of water in you right now. Then, if you have three meals a day, like real meals, not protein shakes, not snacks, I'm talking about real meals, before the meal, have a 16-ounce glass of water. After the meal, have a 16-ounce glass of water. You do that, you'll be hitting about 150 ounces of water on the day, and that should easily help you make up, hopefully help you make up what you replace during sweat, and then you should be in a, a, a if you're working out that day, and that should put you in a good spot for for hydration. Okay, so you'd say, okay, let's get back to, you talked to me about drinking, and I noticed I didn't mention anything else, right? You don't really want to drink your calories. I just said water. I didn't say alcohol. I didn't say orange juice. I didn't say soda, Snapple. Uh, if you want to have, I'd say, as close to optimal performance in the kitchen on a field, water needs to be your primary hydra hydration source. So when you go back to then, okay, well, what, what do I eat then, man? If I'm, not gonna, if I'm only going to drink water, what am I supposed to eat? Well, let's start off with, I used to be on the slow-carb diet. It's from Tim Ferriss. It's from the 4-Hour Body. It was an awesome diet. I loved being on it. I loved it because I didn't really have to think about things. And I'll give you the five rules of the slow-carb di carb diet. One of them was avoid white carbohydrates. Think of uh, bread. So that, that loaf of Italian bread I was eating, no good. All right, uh, white rice, no good. Avoid white carbs. He recommended eating the same few meals over and over again. And what he was thinking was is that people that were predominantly ripped mostly ate the same meals all the time. Now, I think another benefit of that is that it really eliminates the thinking process. If you have the same thing for breakfast every morning, and it's always a healthy thing, it eliminates a decision you have to make over the course of the day, and it makes it easier so that you don't have the f decision to fatigue at night, and then you make bad, bad food choices. He also said, number, this is thing number three, don't drink your calories. Now, I just referred to that above, so I'm not going to go uh, on it any longer. Thing number four was don't eat fruit, and thing number five was take one day off a week and enjoy it. So for me, I love this diet. This got me to a point in my life where it probably helped me lose about 10 or 15 pounds. It gave me that cheat date, and, and I loved not having to count my calories. I loved it. It was simple. But it took me to a certain point, and I couldn't progress past that point. And now we'll get into a story where I was training an athlete. This guy was struggling to lose weight. He's telling me that he's doing everything right. 
but he's not losing weight. And I say, you're lying. You're not doing everything right. I want you to tell me what you're eating every day. And he's telling me. It's grilled chicken. It's broccoli. And he's still not losing weight because I have these guys weigh themselves. We do their body composition in the gym. He was making very little progress. So I said, okay, take pictures of what you're eating. He takes pictures. It is broccoli. It is grilled chicken. And I said, well, you taking pictures of somebody else's food? He says, no. Now, during the course of this time, I listened to multiple podcasts where there were nutritionists nutritionists going on multiple people's podcasts. It wasn't even one podcast. And they were talking about food sensitivities. One of the people that I heard was a guy named Dr. Tom, who I alluded to before, from the Nutrition Treatment Center. And I said to this athlete, let's go together. We're going to talk to this doctor. And we're going to see if you're actually eating foods that are deemed to be good for you that are making you struggle to lose weight. So... We went, we saw Dr. Tom, he asked what diet I was on, I told him the slow-carb diet, he said, that's a great diet, but I'm going to take you to the next level. So let's talk a little bit about what Dr. Tom told me, and I will try and do my best to give you an education on what I learned from him, and hopefully it'll help you on your journey. Now, my fullest recommendation to you is to go see Dr. Tom or somebody like him, and you're going to see why. You're going to see why it's not as easy to do this on your own as you like to think. And I've heard a bunch of people rattle off information on the best way to diet, and it makes me cringe, mostly because of what I'm going to tell you right now, relating back to those food sensitivities. So there are good foods that you could be sensitive to that could cause inflammation. For the athlete I was talking about, he actually had high sensitivity to both chicken and broccoli. He also had high sensitivity to caffeine and mint. So even the very act of brushing his teeth with mint toothpaste was kickstarting his day in the wrong direction. So and what, what happens is when you have this food sensitivity and it causes inflammation, the way Dr. Tom broke it down to me was you get uh, one of two things in your life. You can either create inflammation or you can create testosterone, but you can never create both at the same time. And hopefully you guys know that testosterone is an anabolic hormone in the body. Anabolic builds up your muscle. Actually, it's the number two anabolic hormone, uh, not commonly known as that insulin, is actually the number one anabolic hormone. We'll get back to that later. So how do you even know if you have inflammation? Well, for me, I didn't know. I didn't know I had inflammation because I felt that way my entire life. So what, what Dr. Tom did was he did, took about eight vials of small vials of blood, and he was able to tell us, based on the blood samples that we took and some testing that was done, what foods we were sensitive to. And mine was, you know, crazy stuff. It was like cucumbers, vanilla. And, and really the way I would feel and the way they said other people feel is like you feel like you have bloating, you could have fatigue, you can have headaches. And I constantly felt this way. I'd say for, uh, I don't know, 30 years of my life, I'm not including when I was a small child or some periods I can't remember. I felt this inflammation. I just thought it was natural. And really think about this. That's why it's at below, it is below training on this secrets of strength pyramid. Remember, it's breathing, sleep, nutrition, then training. Imagine that you constantly have inflammation from eating the wrong foods and you're going to the gym and you're getting, you're struggling to get gains. Well, it's because you're constantly in inflammation and your testosterone is not being produced uh, while you're, or, you know, to help you recover from these workouts. 
So this food sensitivity thing, it, it's a giant, giant thing. And think about this. If you're constantly eating this, the same bad foods and they're giving you this inflammation, it's just going to really, imp it's going to give you this, this, what's called chronic inflammation because you have it all the time and it's going to impact every facet of your life. This is not the same conversation where we talked about on a different podcast where you kind of, you sprain your ankle and you shouldn't put ice on it and you should move it because that's good inflammation. Yeah, there's good inflammation and there's bad inflammation. The good inflammation is you get injured and uh, you want to heal that injured area, this is not that conversation. This is bad, chronic inflammation from continually eating the wrong foods that aren't going to do you any good. So that's thing number one, food sensitivities. So if you talk to somebody and they say, well, I'll give you a diet, just eat this, 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 and this. How do they know that this, 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 and this is the right thing to eat for you? One diet does not fit all. One diet does not fit all. Thing number two that Dr. Tom talked to me about was my micronutrients. So it turns out that I had deficiencies in chromium and in vitamin D. And both of those things, if they're low, at least from what Dr. Tom told me, was that it will impact your testosterone production. So he put me on a plan. I take a, a, you know, a pill for chromium and a pill for vitamin D. What I loved about the guy is that my testosterone, I had low levels. But he did not put me on testosterone shots or testosterone replacement therapy. He really wanted to give me, as Tim Ferriss would say, the minimum effective dose. In fact, he used those words because he's also a Tim Ferriss guy. He wanted to do as little as possible to help get the maximal result. He also figured out that I had too much omega-3s. So I was taking omega-3s, but I was taking too much omega-3s. So he pulled back on some of the supplements that I was taking. So to recap, we talked about food sensitivities. We talked about micronutrients. And these are things that you're not going to know unless you get the right blood work and the right test done. Then after we went through that, that's where he got to the point where most, I'd say, uh, meatheads or bodybuilders, this is where they live, and that's on the macronutrients. So the macronutrients, you know, the micronutrients are things like chromium, vitamin D, magnesium, things of that nature, zinc. The, mic the macronutrients are grams of protein, grams of carbs, grams of fat, and how many do you need? Well, all of that is going to depend on a few things. And, and the, what Dr. Tom does, and what I would do if somebody's talking to me, is you figure out what their goal is. What do you want to be? Do you want to be bigger? Do you want to be uh, skinnier? Do you want to burn fat? I don't know. Whatever it is, figure out what that goal is. Then you have to combine it with your current body weight and your current body composition. So I have actually developed a tool, and again, I am, I am not a nutritionist. So and even if you just talk to me about this, it'll only get you a part of the way there. Again, I'm going to say, if you're going to do this the right way, if you're completely dedicated to this stuff, you need to go see somebody and get that blood work. But with respect to the macro tool, if you told me those goals, you said, yep, I want to be this, I want to burn fat, or yep, I want to have uh, muscle growth. And then we talk through your activity level and what your metabolism appears to be. I can actually help break down for you how many calories you need to have per day and how to break that into the grams of protein, the grams of carbohydrates, and the grams of fat you need per day. Now, I'd also say we could break it down to you how many you need per meal based on how many meals you're going to eat per day. And this doesn't mean that you can, uh, you know, if it fits your macros, you can eat any type of carb or any type of fat or any type of protein. It's got to be the right stuff. And we'll talk about that later. But at least if you had that bit of information, we can do some sort of a, a macro breakdown for you. And we can give you a plan, a plan to get you closer to your goal. Then you wait a few weeks, you recalibrate, and then you work on a new plan to get you closer to your goal. You kind of test and retest, test and retest every time. So... We talked about 
the how to eat. We talked a little bit, a little bit about the what to eat or basically what not to eat when it comes to food sensitivities, but we didn't really talk too much yet about the when to eat. So the way, uh, the way bodybuilders work, and this isn't the same for everybody, is they, they like to break out their meals or let's say that total macronutrients for the day or their total calories for the day. They like to break that up by five. So you have, let's just say you have breakfast, you have a snack, you have lunch, you have a snack, you have dinner, right? That, that's really the five times per day. And if you're supposed to have 2,500 calories for the day, in their world, it's simple. You break it up into five chunks of the same amount of calories. So you would have 500 calories at every single one of those meals per day. And while you're eating those 500 calories, you should also break up the macronutrients each time. So if those 500 calories, uh, I don't know, if they had X amount of carbs and X amount of protein, X amount of fat, it should be the same at all five of those meals. And one thing that I have to note, and people have heard this since the, the beginning of time, it is actually important. I think Coach Manos talked about it as that window, right? You got that window after you work out. It is important to work out, I'm sorry, to eat right after you worked out, right? So after you work out, your cortisol goes up. It's a, it's a stress hormone related to your sympathetic nervous system. Also, link back to our breathing. We talked about that we want to breathe. We want to do that box breathing to get us back into a parasympathetic state. But your cortisol goes up right after you work out, right? It's a stress hormone or while you're working out. To reduce that cortisol, you can actually do that by spiking insulin. So that's why your post-workout shake should not just have protein. It also has to have carbohydrates in it as well. All right, so the carbohydrates will help shoot the proteins into your muscles, but it's also going to reduce that cortisol spike. So it is very important to eat right after you work out. In fact, I like to split. So if they say there's five meals a day, I like to have half of that one of one of my meals before I work out and half immediately right after. The half before fuels my workout. The half after helps me recover. So you talk about, okay, that's cool, man. You're giving me a macro split. But how does this split work? Because people are uh, they're scared of carbs. They think carbs are bad. So what, what should I do? Well, for me right now, the way I'm working, I'm at, say you have 100% of your food intake, 35% of my food intake is protein, 40% of my food intake is carbohydrates, and 25% is fat. And these are things that if people talk to me, I can put it into my tool and break out for them, okay, based on where you're at, what are your percentages, as long as we get to 100, we're good, and we can help manipulate the data and get you to the right point for your protein, carbs, and fat for the day and for each individual meal. Now, so if you don't know, a good rule of thumb is just to kind of like, how do you get started? The, uh, so most people go with 40% protein, 40% carbs, and 25% fat. And there's a lot of conversations about ketogenic diets and the carnivore diet, uh, intermittent fasting. Look, the, the best diet is the one that works for you. Take the one that works for you. I am giving you the one that worked for me from Dr. Tom. There are some general principles that you are able to use on your own, but understand that some of these things can be leveraged in each one of these, di each one of these diets. Now, some people are really scared of carbs, right? You tell them go 40, 30, 30. That's 40% protein, 30% carbs, 30% fat. Ah, carbs are bad. They're going to make me fat. Just give me all protein. Look, let, let's just talk through this, all right? So what happens if you eat too much protein? So they, they've been said for... For about 200 pound man, about 40 grams of per protein per meal is optimal. If you have more than that, they say, ah, you can only digest so much protein at a meal, right? There's another wives' tale that you can only digest 20 grams of protein. Well, you, 
What's going to happen if you have an excess of protein? It's going to get turned into glucose, and it's either going to get used for energy or stored as fat. All right? Now, okay, cool. So maybe you shouldn't have uh, 800 grams of protein at a meal, but there are good reasons to eat too much protein. And I'm not saying, again, that this, your carb percentage should be 5%. You know, I'm just saying that there should be a good balance. But if you have too much protein at a meal, awful things are not going to happen all the time, depending on the value of how much protein you have. But one thing that's good about eating more than that 40 grams is that it's going to keep you full longer. So when you eat protein, there's actually a satiating effect. The other thing is that it has a higher thermic effect of food, meaning that it takes more calories to digest that protein than it does to digest uh, carbohydrates or fat. So that's cool. That's good. There are bad reasons to have too much protein. Is One, it's an expensive form of fuel, right? Uh, it's a lot cheaper to eat a potato than it is to eat a steak. So think about that. The other part is it, that fuel may not be available as quickly as protein. Think about how long it takes you to digest a steak versus how long it takes you to digest a, a potato. So, again, back to that macro split. We can find what works best for you. You can go to your nutritionist and find what works best for you. But the best starting point for most people is 40-30-30. Again, one size, one diet does not fit all. But you need a place to start, and then you can adjust it from there. So let's get back to this one diet doesn't work for all. I mentioned the keto diet. I mentioned the carnivore diet. I mentioned the inter- I didn't mention this, but there's intermittent fasting diet. Maybe I did mention it. I can't remember. Too too deep into this podcast right now. So the those diets, they'll all work. A if you stick to them, and B a lot of, they'll work most of the time because people who are doing those diets are naturally eliminating foods that they shouldn't been have shouldn't have been eating. So let's just say, for example, that you were sensitive to uh, white rice. That's on your food sensitivity list. But you never took a food sensitivity test, so you didn't know. And then you go on this ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet where you're naturally not going to eat white rice. Or if you're on intermittent fasting, most people, they, most people, not all, they'll eat less because there's a smaller window for them to eat. So I'm not saying that those diets are good or bad. I think... Uh, you know, when you do any of those diets, you need to make sure you're doing them the right way so that you're getting the right nutrients in your body and it's fueling your body for the performance that you want to have. But I will say there is there is something to be said for not eating bad food and by doing by following those diets, it really helps you limit the amount of bad food that you're going to eat. So we talked about hydration before and I made mention of alcohol. And I'm sure people want to know, can I drink while I am dieting? And the answer is, you can, but it's really going to reduce the amount of fat your body burns for energy. So one thing that you need to know is that it's hard for your body to digest other foods after you drink. I'm going to repeat that again because I know people like to drink. It is hard to digest other foods after you drink. So here are my recommendations. And the word after is a key point. My recommendations are, if you're going to drink, don't drink to the point that you get drunk. I'd recommend, if you're going to have like wine, one to two glasses of wine. Try to avoid mixed drinks with a lot of sugar and try to drink after eating. Now, this is very hard. When you go out to dinner with your family or friends, what happens is you go to the bar, your table's not ready. Sorry, you go to the restaurant, your table's not ready. What do you do? You go to the bar, you have a couple drinks. Then you sit down at your table, the waiter comes over, and what does he ask you? What can I get you to drink? He doesn't ask you, what can I get you to eat? So it's socially unacceptable to actually have your drinks last. 
but I guess it's socially more acceptable to have something than to have nothing. So I'd recommend if you are going to drink, limit it to a few drinks a week, maybe like three to five, depending on the type of drink you're having. And if you are going to have those drinks, have them after you drink. I also need you to think about the implications of drinking a lot. Not only from the fact that it is kind of a waste of calories. It won't necessarily make you fat if you drink alcohol. A, it will absolutely uh, help make it harder to digest the food that you're already eating. But it's also, it is calories. So if you say, well, look, well, if I don't exceed my macros, I'm cool, right? I just, I'm going to have that wine replace that potato that I was going to eat, and I still got the right amount of carbs. I'm good. It, really? Really? Like, do you think that you're going to run faster uh, from a potato or from drinking a couple of glasses of wine? It, it's not the right fuel source that you're going to need. Also think about wine or any alcohol. Once you start drinking a lot of it, you start to make poor decisions. That's when you're going to start ordering a pizza, right? People go out after a long night at a club. They don't come home and eat a salad and grilled chicken. They're eating these fatty fried foods. They're ordering pizza. You know, they're eating anything they can get their hands on. The next morning, they wake up. They have to go to a diner and have a bacon, egg, and cheese uh, on a bagel. It sounds awesome, by the way. But these are not the right things that you should be eating. So that's one thing. The other thing is that when you drink too much, it's going to impact your sleep. If you go back to the sleep podcast, when you fall asleep from drinking, this is you are now basically passing out at this point. When you pass out from drinking, you're not going to get the regenerative properties of sleep that you'd get from just normally going to sleep. So my recommendation to you is that if you're going to drink alcohol, limit it to a few drinks a week. If you're going to go out, don't drink until you're drunk and try your best to drink until after after you've eaten. Now let's take this to a, uh, a football perspective, not with alcohol, I'm talking about the, the when to actually eat food, and let's talk about if you're a football player. All right, now before we even get to the games, I want you to think about what most teams eat during camp. Right? You get these guys, you, you have them in the, the height of their physical activity for the year, and then you start their day off with some horrible garbage, and then in between practice you give them horrible garbage, and then you wonder why these kids are running to the bathroom or exhausted. And now we'll take it to game day. Teams that eat together the morning of a game, uh, they're eating bacon and bagels and pancakes. Nah, this is not the fuel that you're going to want to perform at the highest level. So we, when we brought Dr. Tom in, he spoke to our team, he spoke to our parents. These are things that he told us. I'll give you some of the information that he gave us. He said uh, the day before the game. Let's talk about the day before the game. If you wait until the day of the game, it's too late. Day before, before the game, he wants you to super hydrate. You're going to drink plenty of water. You want to do it during meals. You want to do it between meals. Then every three to four hours, he said, have a quality carbohydrate. So he's not talking about garbage. That's going to give you this massive insulin spike and then put you on a downer and eat moderates amount, moderates amount of protein. Then the day of the game. So like it's before the game starts, right? Two to three hours before the game. I'm going to continue to superhydrate. I'm going to have a carbohydrate rich meal with good proteins like oatmeal, potatoes, sweet potatoes, have a, sorry, that's, yeah, yeah, I did say that, right? Okay, I'm going to have a small amount of protein, like eggs, and then a low amount of fiber, like, I don't know, some sort of vegetable, broccoli, whatever. That's what you want to have two to, to four hours before the game, and then about an hour before the game, you want to have another small amount of carbohydrates. He recommended things like applesauce, baby food, fruit, just to give you the energy that you're going to need to complete the game. After the game, nobody talks about after the game. Yeah, we talk about after the gym nutrition, but football team plays a game and nobody's talking about eating. Well, right after the game, we again want to superhydrate. We want to 
get that water back in our system. We probably sweat our sweat sweat a lot during the game. Uh, then we want to we should really have a protein shake with a lot of carbohydrates in it. It's easy to get your hands on. It's easy to consume. It's going to get to your your digestive system fast. And then a few hours after the game, you get home, you get dressed, you shower, whatever the situation is, then you can have a nice high quality meal with a lot of food to replenish all the calories that you burnt during the game. So hopefully now that you've learned what to eat, how to eat, this is a good when to eat when it comes to performance of a football game that a lot of people are not following. Hell, I've never actually seen a bus after the game where they're uh, handing out a carbohydrate protein shake. It's usually uh, cookies and bad stuff, you know, not, not the right f fuel that you're going to want for a post-game activity. So I want to wrap this up with some tips that I can give you to, to not be ripped, but to live a, a good, comfortable life. All right, where you can guarantee that you're not going to be grossly overweight. Thing number one, I'm going to, you know, Tim Ferriss had five, I'll give you my five. One, don't drink your calories. I, I share that thought with him. Coffee, water, tea, that's what you should drink. And if you're drinking coffee or tea, drink it straight. Number two, chew slowly. If you leave with any tip, I'd say that's the most important one. You just, it's hard to develop more than one habit at a time. Leave with chewing slowly. You could, if you fix that, I guarantee you it'll fix 10 other bad eating, eating habits that you have. Thing number three, eat a vegetable at every meal. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Eat a, Who likes vegetables? Most people don't. I don't necessarily love them, but I've grown to like them over time. Eat a vegetable at every single meal. Number four, avoid processed foods as much as you possibly can. In my life right now, except for my cheat day, I don't eat a processed food. It doesn't happen. The only processed food that I have will be a protein shake. That's it. And again, I'm the guy that ate a vat of Pillsbury Doughboy cookie dough. So I'm not saying that uh, this is easy for me. It's not. Try and stay away from that stuff. It's garbage. And then my tip number five is to cheat one time a week and don't be sad about it. For me, that cheat day is what gets me through the rest of the week. If I didn't have a cheat day on Sunday, one, no one would probably hang out with me because I really don't bring much to the table. I don't drink much. I'm not a fun guy, but the people enjoy to eat me, watch me eat a lot of food. So that helps me be an enjoyable person to be around. And two, it actually stops me from even wanting to eat or being just, I don't know, tormented by good food in front of me over the rest of the week. So it, have that cheat day. Enjoy it. Don't get really sad about eating uh eating the bad food because it's it's really hard not to unless you're in some sort of bodybuilding competition or you're at the height of some sort of physical performance have the cheat meal enjoy it uh but then you get you really cannot cheat for the remainder of the week and then the bonus tip that i'll give you this is a simple one this can be done you know at your meals you should really have a protein a carbohydrate a fat and you know, my, in my world it's like uh some sort of meat some sort of healthy carbohydrate like right like brown rice or a potato and a vegetable the thing you should eat first is that protein start with the protein first it slows down the speed of the carbs reducing those insulin levels if you eat that first it'll make the uh, I'd say the rest of the meal go into your body at the right pace and you're gonna have some sort of control over your weight control over your weight gain or weight loss listen I this is not gonna be an easy journey I'd say this is probably the hardest one for most people to actually physically do because of the way society is and you know how we make everything a social event but let's
talk to me, call me, text me, whatever you need to do, we, we can work through this thing together. It always works better when you have a group and when you're doing things as a unit and you're holding each other accountable. What I am going to do when I send out this email, I am going to send links to the other podcasts that have that have touched upon this. I'll also send links to some blogs that I have written in the in the past. One's about chewing slowly. One are some tips on minimizing body fat, and one is a uh, slightly entertaining. It's going to talk about the dumbest things uh, that I did in high school, which included some of the eating that I mentioned before. I'd also say if you haven't listened to it yet, you should also listen to why eating less can make you fat. Right. Uh, it, it is a, a bang your head against the wall podcast because this journey is frustrating but you know sometimes you think you're doing the right thing and it goes in the wrong direction so this was really about not only about the quantity of food of food it was about the quality of food the way in which you broke up your food how you ate your food uh, th- this covered all of it so hopefully I didn't confuse too much take away the, that mantra of you cannot train your mouth and if you do anything chew slowly Thank you very much. Good luck on the journey. Let me know if you need any help.